All right, a good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? And yeah, we're running at five. So uh, yes, this is Pastor Paul. Hello, Pastor Paul. Good Hi. evening. How are you doing, Steve? I am doing well. Uh, in all this heat, we're we got air conditioned, so I'm I'm good. And uh, anyway, we're here with the Foundation Podcast tonight. We are going to uh, we're starting a new um, series. Yes, we're going to talk about eschatology or. If you don't know what that term means, that means end time events. So we're going to talk about the end times, and uh, you want to play this probably right before you go to bed. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. Um, so that really keeps you up at night, especially if you don't know Jesus. You may it may it may keep you up at night, but you need to know Jesus. Um, but uh, well, I think what we're going to do tonight. Let, let's start off with I got a. Of course, there's been news articles coming across the wire all day today. But, um, and this one talks about in Europe, they have uh, empty churches, prayer and confessions make way for drinking and dancing. It, uh, let's just really, uh, let me sh sh bring this one out. The confessional where generations of Belgians admitted their sins stood stacked in a corner of what was once Sacred Heart Church, uh, proof the stalls as well as the Roman Catholic House of Worship had outlived their purpose. Outlived their purpose. The building is to close down for two years while a cafe and concert stage are added with plans to turn the church into a new cultural hotspot in the heart of, I believe it's called Mechelen, almost within earshot of where Belgium's Archbishop lives. And, and then it talks about how, and what we're seeing in, in Europe, Pastor, there's been a great falling away. We're talking about people not going to church. The churches are almost empty. At this point, they're going to repurpose them. Yes, and, uh, well, it... Yeah, you know, these 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 structures they're they're beautiful. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't beautiful. been to Europe, yeah. but I've been to other places where you know you see all these uh, churches. They're they're like uh, mausoleums. You know, yeah. it's amazing. And inside uh, is the decor and everything like that. And uh, it, it, it's a shame that nobody goes to them anymore. Yeah. And like I said, if you go anywhere in Europe, you know, you see all these great things. There's tours. I've been told by people who have been, there's tours that you can go through and look at it, and then you find out that, you know, a place that where you can put a thousand or more people, and there's 15 people going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, I mean, and I mean, how many, maybe thousands, even millions of dollars have gone into these huge uh, cathedrals? Well, you know, when you stop and think about it, the birthplace of the Reformation in Germany Mm -hmm. And uh, and the uh, impact that it had, uh, even the uh, John Wesley and his brother Charles, and and what happened there with them, yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, and 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 to think that you know the just everything that gave birth to the awakening in this country, mm -hmm. uh, revivals in the United States, you could even go back to this nation being formed, yes. Uh, based on the Reformation uh, that happened, uh, the Wesleyan revivals, and uh, that came to America eventually, um, 
Yeah, I mean, and to think that now you can go through Europe, if that's not a falling away, I don't, I don't know what to yeah, call I, that. I, I, it At is. least in that country. Yes. Yeah, in, in those countries, I should say. Because it's not just England, it's not just Germany, it's Belgium, it's, it's all those places. Yeah. France. But have we seen that Europe has pre been the predecessor of what actually happens in the United States? You see, because I think, uh, unless, unless the Lord somehow intervenes and we have a great revival, which a lot of people are praying for, and, you know, so, and even some are prophesying, uh, anyway. Um, the Bible doesn't specifically say that we're going to have a, uh, a big revival, but I mean, if we do, I mean, it could kick the can down the road a little bit, but at the same time, uh, our churches are dwindling. Yes, and, uh, yeah, church attendance in this country, the Barner Report did not, I mean, the Barner Report 10 years ago seemed a little bleak, but boy, the one that came out last year, yeah. We got about forty percent of our population is going to church. Yeah, we're down from over sixty. Yeah, I mean in a ten-year period. I mean this is unreal. Yeah, uh, and this is not in any one particular denomination. This is across the board, and uh, and uh, and you know, and it, it's just well, well, First Timothy chapter four verse one. Paul talked about in the latter times, he said uh, there would be a falling away. He said yeah. people would fall away from the faith, mm -hmm. giving heed to deceiving spirits, spirits or yeah. seducing spirits, yeah. and doctrines of demons. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I believe that we are in the last days. I believe we're in the last of those last days. That's why eschatology is so very important. Yes as to, to what we believe about Scripture. And when we're talking about eschatology, and we're going to get into this tonight, we're going to talk about basically the four major views of eschatology. Uh, now, so let's, let's okay, so uh, you kind of defined eschatology, Pastor. And we're going to segue this. We, we see a lot of uh, churches empty, this type of thing. This could be, or in, in a lot of areas we look at it, could be interpreted as the great falling away. Now, uh, let, let, let me just, uh, okay, for four one, I won't, um, where, where is it? First Tim, uh, Timothy 4.1. It's 4.1. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to uh, seduce or deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And then it goes on speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron. We've dealt with this scripture verse in a number of our podcasts. But the, 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 the thing is, is that falling away. And all of these churches, these articles like this that we were talking about, could be deemed that we are in that falling away period. And he has uh, specifically said that in the latter days. Right. So eschatology is a study of what the end times yeah the end time and, and that's just a, a you know a fancy word uh, of describing that mm -hmm. and uh, and when we're, so when we're, we're talking about eschatology we basically as I said we can divide this up into four camps in other words there's four views of how you're going to view end time events 
And it's all based in Revelation 20. Revelation 20. And it all has to do, do we believe in a literal millennium, a thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, mm -hmm. or do we look at that and spiritualize it and look at it as symbolic language and, and that John here is not really talking literally uh, about that. So, okay. and, and, and when, you know, depending on where you're at and what your view of this and how you were raised, that may seem strange to you that someone would look at Revelation 20 and say, well, I don't take a literal view, but let me, let me just say this, that the majority of churches all over the world that's how they would view Revelation 20. Today. They yeah, spiritualize today. this they would, they would spiritualize it. Yeah. I'm not saying that makes people evil. Don't, no. don't misunderstand me. But your view of Revelation 20, of this one particular passage, determines what camp you're going to be in. In other words, what is going to be the overriding belief system that you use to study and understand what the Bible's talking about on such topics as the rapture of the church, mm -hmm. uh, the second coming of Christ uh, in, in, in Revelation 19, mm -hmm. uh, or you know your your view of even First Timothy 4:1, yes, uh, or Matthew 24. I mean, so depending on what camp you're in, there will determine how you'll look at that, even as it relates to the kingdom. The mm -hmm. ideal is is did what Jesus do on the cross and the resurrection and the kingdom being announced uh, and the church carrying forth the gospel uh, to all the world, is that the kingdom? In other words, is that the, kingdom, is that the only kingdom that Jesus was talking about? Yeah. Because there is a kingdom that is now. Yeah. But is there a kingdom that's now? And there's a kingdom, a literal kingdom to come? And so based on your view of eschatology, Will it be how you interpret that? Yeah. So okay. you know, so eschatology is a big, a big issue. It is. Um, and um, uh, and like I said, there, there's four camps. And yeah. And let's. Uh, I'm gonna get get a couple of these uh, questions, we, these introductory questions. So, first of all, what we're, what we're talking about here, what we're studying, how how does this affect our salvation? Let's, it it, let's it doesn't. Let's just say you look at Revelation 20 and you look at it as more symbolic language. You kind of spiritualize it and, uh, you know, it's, it's not really literal. Well, that, that would put you in the majority of what churches believe and, and it's not a salvation issue. What I mean by that is we're saved by our, our belief that Jesus died on a cross and mm -hmm. he was raised from the dead the third day and he has ascended to heaven. We put our faith in the sufficiency of what he did and uh, that that is my faith in him, my acknowledgement of him as Lord, my submission to his lordship, that's salvation. Okay. Uh, you know, that's, that's salvation. Uh, I'm not saying based on my theological belief system of eschatology. Okay. While saying that, though, that doesn't mean that it's not important. Yeah. Because our, our, our belief system about well, do I take God's word literally or do I spiritualize a lot of it? That does, that is important. Yes, it uh, is. Very, very important. Um, and uh, your, your approach to eschatology, like you said, if you're spiritualizing all this, 
<clears throat> in the Bible, then you could uh, lean over and say, well, only the thoughts and the ideas of the Bible are really wow. uh, inspired, but not the literal words of it. Okay, and well, you could, I mean, that could lead you off into a... Well, you know, this gets into, and, and I realize this is my pet peeve, uh, you know, a little, a little, little ink, whatever, that I don't like. Uh, as I've said in many of these podcasts, I will not use a version of the Bible that's not a word-for-word -word translation mm -hmm. from the original languages. Yeah. I don't, I don't read, nor do I study word-for-thoughts or thought-for-thought -thought translations. And uh, that's why that uh, basically anything from the NIV down, uh, that's a you know no no for me. Yeah. I, I'm not judging you if you use it, but I, I just I can't do it. Uh, but I just wonder in my own mind when we when the majority of the church is uh, amillennial uh, in their theology, and they do spiritualize Revelation 12. If that's why the number one selling Bible in the world is the NIV. Yeah. That may explain some things. Yes. So, you know, well, like I said, I'm not saying that's evil. <laughs> I, I'm just saying... Well, the way that you approach your theology, the way that you build your theology, and of course I, I've, I've learned this over the years, is that, you know, you build your... your, your they, uh, my old professor used to call it the house of faith. And so you build your theology for your own life upon certain things. You have the foundation that there's, there's a God, there is a Jesus, his son died, uh, the Trinity, the word of God. And then when we look at the word of God, instead of the thoughts and ideas, we believe in a verbal plenary inspiration of it where every word in the original text was placed where it needed to go because that's where God wanted it to be. Um, and, and that's where textual criticism comes in. Yes. When we're comparing different manuscripts of the same one, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get to the original wording, the original text or the writings yes. of those who were moved by the Holy Spirit when they wrote it. And, uh, and all of that's important because I do believe that what Paul, Peter... John, James, Jude, uh, Mark, Luke, uh, any of these people, Matthew, uh, what they wrote, the, the, they were moved on by the Spirit of God. So God may have used their their uh, their their brain, so to speak, and their yeah. their talents and their gifts and their personality, but yet what they wrote was inspired. It was God breathed, yes, and so that's. Mm -hmm. That's, that's why I do believe that it's important how we view Scripture. And uh, and that's not to say that there are not things in Scripture that, you know, when, when John says he sees a dragon, we, we know that that is symbolic. We're not, we're not saying there's nothing in God's Word that cannot be used as an allegory or something like that. Yeah. Even Paul did that in Galatians, okay? Yeah. So, so we're not saying that that's not possible, but... But we only look at the Word of God like that when it's literally talking about something symbolic. Mm -hmm. So when we get to Revelation 20, that is sort of the, well, is this symbolic language or is this literal? Yeah. And, and we're going to uh, read that right now. And I think that that's a good segue into that verse. If you have your Bibles, you're watching along with us, open to Revelation chapter 20. 
And uh, Pastor, I uh, I think you said something about the first seven verses or whatever. Could you read that for us? Do you have it open there? Uh, yes, and I'm reading this out of the uh, New American Standard uh, Version, the, the real version of the Bible. Anyway, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> uh, but in, in, in Revelation 20, verse 1, that I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Uh, and he laid hold of the dragon. Now, we know he's going to define who the dragon yeah, is. Yeah, those next okay. words define that. Yeah, the serpent of old. So we're going back to Genesis 3. and Who is the devil and Satan. Okay, hold right there. So any of the, we had talked about this before when we were back in Genesis. The serpent is definitively identified as the devil and Satan. Yes. Yeah, right uh, there. By, by the way, Boom. Rev, uh, John does it right here, and Paul does it as well. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, anyway, so so uh, and, and and notice they they bound him for a thousand years. Now this is where the word millennial comes in. That's what it means, a thousand. And so these are going to be the major camps we'll talk about are based in this. Yes. This is the only time the thousand years is mentioned here. Uh, in relation to this. And so, and he threw him into the abyss and shut it up and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And he says, and I saw thrones and, and, and they uh, sat on them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years and the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed and notice it says this is the first resurrection blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection over these the second death has no power and they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. He will, go, he will come out to deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth, God, Magog, and gather them together for the war. And it says, and the number of them is like the sands of the seashore. And they came up on a broad plain on the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. This is, this is good. I mean, this is, this is the narrative what John received on the Isle of Patmos. The book of Revelation, which a lot, a lot um, you know, the majority of our meat we're pulling from Revelation to understand what is going on during that, though, that end period. Now, uh, we, we have other places. Where is it? Like Daniel and his 70th week? Well, basically, um, Daniel. Matthew the, 24. The, the, yeah, well, Matthew. Well, everything, I believe Revelation and even what Jesus taught in Matthew 24, what Paul was teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's all from Daniel's 70th week. 
Yes. You know, and uh, and and so you know we have seventy sevens, uh, and uh, and then so we have after the sixty nine week we have the seventieth week, and that is the that is what Revelation occupies. Well, that's assuming if you take this literally, that's what Revelation is occupying. And what is what happens in Daniel's seventieth week? Well, there in chapter nine, he talks about the fact that the prince to come, the, in other words, the Antichrist, yeah, the man of yeah. sin, he will make a covenant with Israel for a week. Each day represents a year. So, at the for seven years, he'll make he'll make a seven year covenant with them. And in the middle of the week, uh, which Daniel calls the abomination of desolation. Yeah. Jesus talked about it. Second Thessalonians chapter two is that event. The Antichrist sets himself up in the temple proclaiming to be God. So in the middle of the week he'll break the covenant mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and and then uh, you have everything that happens after that as far as uh, if you're in Revelation, you're looking at the trumpet judgments, you're looking at the bowl judgments, mm -hmm. and that brings us to the place of the Battle of Armageddon, and, uh, and all of that happens at the end of that week. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and so, and so anyway, uh, what, what, what all this is about is how you view Revelation. If, if you are in an all-millennial camp, mm -hmm. most of Revelation has already been fulfilled for you. In other words, in history, you're going to point to events and times where most of this has already come to pass. Yes. The okay. only thing for you that hadn't come to pass is Revelation 19. Okay, so let's let's take these th these down so that we can. And if you're taking notes, you might as well write this stuff down as well. We're talking about uh, the the different what we call theories or views. That there are out there in the church world today, these pe people there are people that hold this, uh, and the, the first one is amillennialism. Well, actually, the well, actually, the first one. You want, you want to, let's you want let's jump back then. Historic premillennialism. Now, when we say historic, pastor, we're talking about the church fathers that held this up until the fourth century. Yes, and uh, and so basically. And this this should be noted when we're talking about this uh, this premillennial view, um, and we'll discuss more. Well, first of all, let's discuss what premillennial means. Okay, it means that we believe uh, in a um, we believe in a literal one thousand year reign of Christ. Yes. So what that means is we're going to be interpreting everything in Revelation. Uh, as it is yet fulfilled. Okay. In other words, there's a fulfillment that uh, Daniel's 70th week, that's real. There's going to be a real covenant made. The man of sin's going to do that. And if you're a premillennial, you're going to be in that camp. You're going to take a literal view of that. Yeah. And if you're in a historic premillennialist, then what you're going to believe is uh, you're going to believe in a literal rapture and the second coming, but you're going to look at it coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Okay, so this thousand-year reign, or whatever, this this particular Revelation chapter 20, 
according to this, it occurs according to pre, uh, historic premillennialism. It happens, uh, every, that's everything happened prior to that Revelation 20 happening, yeah. in that the rapture and the second coming are at the end of the seven-year tribulation. To, to me, that's post-trib, trib, isn't it? Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get into, into that, that, but that, I, 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 yeah, I mean, but really, to be honest with you, yes, it is. But, I mean, this is what the church believed. The, the, the point, well, that's why we call it historic, because when you're looking at the church fathers, they viewed the rapture as happening at the end of the tribulation period. Uh, and, and so if, if I had a chart here and I had a timeline and we'd, we'd start and we'd get to this timeline right here, okay, the man of sin makes a covenant with Israel. Yeah. And so you get all the way through a seven-year period and then Jesus comes back for the church. We go up to meet him and then we come back at the Battle of Armageddon. So it's almost like a, it's two events, but it's really happening at the same time. Okay. That's how they would have viewed it. And, uh, and, and you know, and Justin Martyr, when I was, I, I did not realize he believed this. He's one of the early church fathers. And uh, in his belief system that we just described, mm -hmm. if you didn't believe this, he viewed you as a heretic. Oh, he did. So they had some pretty strong feelings. Now, yeah. let's temper this with this. The church fathers didn't write a lot about eschatology. And there's a reason why they didn't. They had a bigger problem on the hand. We're talking, if we're talking all the way to the fourth century, we're talking about all the way up to the 300 A.D. And uh, we, what's going on during that time? Massive persecution of the church. Yeah. Massive persecution. You do finally get Constantine, uh, the emperor. He finally get, uh, a gentleman gets saved. It does stop. But the majority of that time, they were just trying to stay alive. Yeah. And and proclamate the gospel at the same time. Okay. So when you're in a situation like that and you're running for your life and, mm -hmm. and you and, you know, you're just doing your best to live for God and preach the gospel and minister it and knowing your life is you can end at any moment. Uh yeah, eschatology's probably not gonna be a real big thing. But they did write about it. Yeah. We do know what they believed. Okay. And and I guess I mean, you know, and this this goes to a um, an interesting observation, and then, by the way, if you are a post-tribulation person, you would hold to this view, and uh, and that is one of the arguments they will use. Well, where did they get this view from? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about we're talking about there, there's. I'm trying to think. I think there may have been one church father. I can't remember what his name that had a little bit different opinion on it. Mm -hmm. But where did they get it from? Well, some of these people were alive when some of the apostles were. So, yeah. you know, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's an argument from South. You know, Pastor JP, are we pretty good to see uh, this right here? I'm going to yeah. go ahead and take this down. I think it, it may be, it may help us a little bit, Pastor, if we, I'm going to go ahead and take our, our logo down here. Because what we want to do is, um, I, we do have a little bit, thank God, we have some mark here. What I want to do is, I want them to understand right here, let's just put right here is the thousand year reign. When we're talking about it, if you're looking at on, on and on a, on a timeline, a premillennial, when all of this stuff is happening back here, right. before that, right? Okay, 
So let, let's go on, and and uh, this, this kind of maybe this will help us to put it in. in <laughs> trust me, there are a lot of charts out there. But um, okay, now that's when we get into our all millennial views. Okay, and um, and and this belief came into prominence in the fourth century. Um, and uh, at this point, we have Augustine, uh, who espoused this. He's not the first person that came yeah, up with it, mm -hmm. but he's the one that was important as it came to be adopted by the church. Okay. And the amillennial view is that the rapture in the second coming, they believe in a rapture. They believe in the second coming. Okay. And much like the, uh, the historic premillennialism, uh, it happens at... Uh, the end of the tribulation period, in that sense, uh, the only difference between the amillennial is that they don't really look at a. Well, anyway, it's different. Well, they spiritualize. Yeah, they, Revela you know, they spiritualize Revelation twenty, and uh, so when you know on this chart, do they believe in the thousand year? No, they believe that the that's just a. Well, they spiritualize a thousand years. That's the point. Okay. We are in the millennium, but they don't specify it as a thousand years. It's just symbolic language. I know I've, I've listened to enough amillennial uh, uh, theologians on this, and it's, uh, I realize, it's fascinating to see people squirm with this. Okay. Uh, because I take a literal view of this. And uh, so... Uh, and when I say that, I, I view Revelation 20 I, literally. I, I believe this is an event. There is an angel. There is a devil. There is an a, there is a pit or an abyss or a bottomless pit, whatever. Yeah. And I believe in a literal reign of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. And, and the, let me let me tell you why I, I view it literally. I view it literally because of the Old Testament references to this. Yeah. And I also view it literally because all the Old Testament references to the first coming of Christ, being mm -hmm. born uh, of a Virgin Mary. Yes. We take that literally. Yes. Okay, so why wouldn't we take a second coming literally. and all the events that come up to it literally? That, yes. That's my point. Uh, uh, so, you know, but so, once again, it just depends on how you want to look at Scripture, your views about hermeneutics and and uh, and and all that. All these things play a part depending on whether you are amillennial or you're premillennial. What does the ah mean in amillennial? It just really, it, it just signifies, um, I've heard it explained two ways. The one is the ah means no millennial. No millennial, so this is yeah that that, no. that that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. In fact, from that standpoint, if you use a marker yeah. here, that means that we're coming in here like this, and uh, this is a you know this is a church. Okay. This is a church age, and here's the return of the Lord, and that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and uh, and okay. it is a simplistic way. Yeah, to talk about it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it is a simplistic way to look at it. Because, see, you're going to view, if you're all millennialist, you're going to, you know, this is the majority of view of eschatology in the church. I mean, so basically, eight out of every ten churches are all millennialist. Wow. 
Okay, so in, in that regard, we're not making fun of anybody. No. But we're just trying to explain it. So I guess we're in the majority camp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but but you're gonna you're gonna look at Revelation as being all fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look at that Jesus prophesied about it. It's all been fulfilled. And so okay. that's except for base nineteen. Uh, there is going to be a battle of Armageddon. You will acknowledge that. Okay. So there's going to be a bu- you will uh, So that. what happens is then then and we'll we'll be getting well, into a lot of this later. But the way to say it is. Yeah, you're going to acknowledge that there is going to be a tribulation. You're not going to fight that. But it's it's almost hard to determine it. Yeah. So they may... We could be in it right now. We, well, we're in, we're the, we could be in the tribulation right now. Well, Daniel 9. They may look at the 70th week. I can't remember what they... Like I said, I find this incoherent. Yeah. So if, I, if, he, if I'm struggling with it, it's because it, it, it really doesn't, doesn't follow a pattern of how I would use hermeneutics. Yeah, exactly. So they might acknowledge this because they do acknowledge Revelation 19. and that is Which would be at the time of him coming back yes. because he's coming yeah. back at the Battle of Armageddon. So in that sense, I guess you would say that they would... It's hard to tie them down on that. I'll okay. be honest. Uh, so, so okay. So that, that's that's what they believe. It. The thing that just kind of shocked me, of course, was the fact that it's a majority of the Christian churches today, or a majority of the churches. You got eight out of ten believing this stuff. Okay. Well, Chuck uh, Chuck uh, Misler. Okay. We talked about him, and he's passed on, and he's in heaven now, so he's not worried about what we're talking about. Nope. But he addressed this issue of amillennialism and, and a premillennial view of, of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And as he said, if, you, if you're in the premillennial camp, you do take a literal view of Scripture. Yeah. And he said, not just in Revelation, but in most of the Bible. Of the Bible. It, unless it's just overtly clear that it is symbolic. Okay, because yeah. there are some things that it's, it is. Okay, so we take a literal view of what the Bible's teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, if you're in a, a premillennial camp, you're going to take more of a literal view of Scripture. And you know what? He is right. Because much of the church world, they don't view inspiration from a standpoint, and this doesn't mean everybody that's an amillennialist is in this camp. But a lot of people in the church world believe it's the thoughts of the Bible that are inspired, yeah, not the words themselves. And that that's scary to me. That yeah. is a scary, scary thing to hold. Okay, and let's let's move on then to post millennialism, which of course we are talking. Here's a thousand year. This would be here as post. Uh, here I'm going to put pre here. I forgot to put that there. But here we got post millennialism. Now, what does that entail? Well, they're a lot like the amillennialism. Mm-hmm. I'll get it out. Uh, anyway, uh, in fact, these two camps kind of fight with each other a little bit. Okay. But, but, but if you're, you're post-millennial, you're going to believe that the church is ultimately just going to take over. So probably a good way to view this. And let me see this eraser. Let's just get rid of all that. Okay. And 
So here we got, and we're going to do this. We're going to go up right here, and we're going to have a line right here. And this is the church age. This is the golden church age. So we got a golden church age. And okay. then this is, for the better sake of the word, the end of the age. A rapture and a coming back. Everybody affirms a rapture. Yes. It just depends on where you put it. Okay. So what's weird about all of this is they're not even getting into a tribulation period. They would view this as being fulfilled, so they're not worried about it. So they're, they're kind of like the amillennialism, or amillennialism, whatever we call it, in that they kind of, okay, well, we all that stuff has been done or whatever, the tribulation, they kind of ignore it. But anyway, we have a church golden age. Yes. And we are going to, and, and uh, one of the... Well, they're, they're going to basically Christianize the world. Christianize the world. Now, let's, let's be fair to this, this system. It seems strange, because what you're going to say is that the world's going to get better. Okay. This, this viewpoint lost some, some spunk when World War II broke out. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to hold of this world getting better right now, isn't it? I, I mean, um, right I mean, now it don't look like a golden church age. No, but, but this has lost a little spunk. That's okay. why I'm a It's more of a popular view because they don't look at the world like that. And, and but 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 if you're living, let's just say, let's say that you're living in uh, 312 AD, mm -hmm. and uh, and you know Constantine's getting Constantine, saved. Constantine, yes. Uh, the the whole, I mean. By the way, everybody's Catholic. It doesn't mean the same thing then as it does now. But, but what I'm saying, yeah. every, there's one church. Yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden, persecution stops. And he starts taking uh, Christian people and putting them in places of leadership. Yes. And within a hundred years, not only has the church basically taken over the world in a sense. Yes. We we've got we've got the church has taken over Rome. Okay. I mean this is I mean, I mean we this goes on this way. Think about this. This goes on for over a thousand years. Yeah. I mean we've got the Pope, many popes, mm -hmm. commanding kings uh, uh, remnants of the Roman Empire, whether in England or France we have crusades to take Jerusalem over. These are, I mean, if, if you look at this time of this time period, really all the way up to the Reformation yeah. in the 1500s, I mean, the church is ruling the world. So the church is all-powerful. Uh, did it enter what we call a theocracy at that point? In a way, the only problem is the Pope was the, yeah. Yeah, the he was the, one. You know, well, he's the successor of Peter. That's how they looked at yeah. it. One of these days, we're, we'll talk about that, about the Pope of well, being if, in. If, as, so if you're living in yeah. AD 300, yeah. hey, post millennialism might look like. Golden age. The golden age. Yeah. That might look like it. So we're not trying to criticize anybody for it. It just depends on where you're living. 
But we have people today, Pastor, that are kind of holding to that too. Yes. That, that, that we will have another, or we will have a golden age, and I believe it's called Dominion Theology. Well, yeah. It's kind of like that. It, it, it is. Kingdom now, I mean, we got the kingdom flowing here. It's going to get all better, and we're going to hand the world over to Jesus when he comes. Well, there's also something else that, that does uh, uh, spring out of being a post-millennial person, and, and it also can uh, stream out of being all-millennial as well. Okay. And that is uh, uh, replacement theology. Replacement theology. What is replacement theology? Well, that you believe that the church—that's the kingdom—is you know, in other words, the kingdom of God is being exhibited through the church, through every individual, okay. the church collectively together, and therefore, it replaces Israel. So, okay, in so, that sense, so now, what I'm you're not saying the churches replaces it. Well, okay, Israel was the chosen people according to the Old Testament. Right. They're the chosen people. Right. But now the church is the chosen. So the church becomes the new Israel. That's 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 replacement theology. Okay. Now I'm not saying that everybody that is on millennial is like that. Okay. No, we're not saying that, or even post millennial is like that. But dominion theology comes out of this belief system of a golden age. Okay. And uh and uh, and and in Dominion theology, you could hold to a Dominion theology and still be still be premillennial. Okay. That so it, it kind of weaves all over the place. Sure. But when you start looking at Dominion theology, well, it looks a whole lot like that Golden Age. Yeah. Post, Golden Age of the Church. Postmillennial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the ones that believe that. Well, okay, the, the ones that are heavily believing that we're going to have a revival. And that we're going to turn this around. Now the thing is, we look at today's church, Pastor. We look at today's world. The United States. We see all the things that are going on. All the division, the confusion, the uh, and all that's going on here. And then, it, like you said, it is kind of hard to believe. Well, you yeah, know, we're in a golden age. Well, even if you take, even if you don't look at an individual country, even if, even if you're living. Even if you're living in AD 300, yeah, before all these things are going to happen with Constantine and and the Pope and all the stuff that will come out of that all the way to the Reformation, yeah, I mean, even if you're there, you cannot get away from Scripture. The Scripture we read earlier, First Timothy four one, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, spirits and, and doctrines of demons. demons. Uh, yeah. Jesus' own teachings uh, tells us that lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. Uh, he talked about the straight and narrow way that leads to life. If you be that find it, he said it would be like the days of Noah. Last time I checked, only eight people were saved out of however many people on the earth at that time. Yeah. So, the, 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 and, and there's, there's more, okay? We can talk about more. Uh, it's a, what I'm trying to say is almost every end-time teaching in the New Testament is apocalyptic. Yeah. Uh, the only one that's not is the Joel prophecy of the Spirit of God being poured out on all flesh. Okay. So, yes, that's still going on. 
Yeah. People are being saved. God well, Peter Peter declared that right on the day of Pentecost. Yes, and he said this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said in the last days. In other words, that's what Joel said. In the mm -hmm. last days, God will pour his spirit out on all flesh. So we have two currents happening at the same time. Yes. So if you're... But what I'm saying is the overriding teaching of the last days is the falling away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So while people are coming into the kingdom of God, people are exiting. Yeah. They're apostatizing. Now, if you have a theology that says, I don't believe that you can apostatize, well, that's another issue altogether. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is that the, 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 the scripture teaches that people will fall away from the faith. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's what the scripture teaches. Okay. So... Um, Okay, and not not to, to rush things, but we need to move on. I want to go ahead and we want to kind of cover this area today. Now, the fourth one is what we call the modern pre-millennial. Again, pre. This is modern pre-millennial. Now, what does that all have in... Uh, well, we're talking about being a, 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 a pre-millennialist, uh, a modern one. What would separate that from the historic view is really just one facet. So... If you're a premillennial uh, person in your theology concerning eschatology, mm -hmm. you're going to fall into one of four camps. That, but, but first of all, let me explain it. If you're there, you, you have a belief in a literal view of Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to view Revelation 20 in a literal standpoint. There's a real devil. There's a real angel. There's a real pit that he's going to be put into. Yeah, there's yeah. a real thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh, on the earth, and so you're going to believe that, and uh, and so it what the only thing that would separate your view in here is where you put the rapture and the second coming. Okay, because so, you're still going to view them just like, well, I mean, basically every camp believes that there's going to be a rapture and a second coming. That yes, in other words, he's coming back for his church. Everyone believes that. Okay. Everybody, every one of these view believes we're going to spend eternity with God. Okay. But that's where that's the only similarities to any. Yeah. Then they all. Okay. Yeah. You know. So if you're a premillennial uh, person, you're you're going to you're going to have a view of the rapture, the second coming, second, two separate events, but you're going to fall into two four camps. Okay. So let's just kind okay. of say what they are to begin with. Sure. Uh, this all is your view about the rapture. So you're either going to be a pre-tribulation rapture person. Okay. That is that uh, the 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 rapture is going to happen before the tribulation starts. Yes. Uh, or you're going to be a a mid-tribulation rapture person. It's going to mm -hmm. happen in the middle of it. Okay. Uh, there's even a pre-wrath tribulation. Uh, I. To be honest, there's not a dime's difference between it and the mid, but mm -hmm. but some will argue that it could happen a little bit before the mid or a little bit after. And then the fourth one is you could have what I call a post-tribulation rapture view. And if you have a post-tribulation rapture view, you are in the historic pre-millennialism. Okay. Count. Okay. So, okay, so in the modern pre-millennial, we're looking at two separate events. Yes. We're looking at the first is the rapture of the church. Now, we've, got, we've said, I know a lot of people probably have heard this time and again, but let's just reiterate it. The rapture of the church is what? Is the catching away of 1 Thessalonians 3, 13 through 18. 
Okay, First Thessalonians 3. Uh, 4, I mean 4. 4, 13 through 18. 13 through 18, where it says, For he will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Uh, to be caught up in the clouds or in the air. And yeah, the word harpazo is the Greek word. And, 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 and the, uh, the reason it's called, we refer to the rapture because that's what people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, the word rapture comes from the Latin Vulgate and translated from the Latin Vulgate. They use the word harpazo. I think it's rapture or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And uh, it's <laughs> Latin. Well, I don't speak yeah. Latin. Anyway, and so that was uh, translated into English as rapture, mm -hmm. uh, and somehow or another, it's just stuck in the consciousness of people. Mm -hmm. The Greek word is harpazo. It just means to be caught up. So, and that's, be caught up. so, so that's the rapture. Yes. Now, the second coming of Christ, though, and of course, we'll, later in our series, we're going to get into all this, but the, the uh, second coming of Christ, though, is when he comes down with uh, us. With us, but this is at the Battle of Armageddon, yeah, right? that's Revelation 19. Okay, Revelation 19. And, and we're all going to be with him, riding horses, we're going to be coming down, uh, and he's going to destroy the armies or whatever, they're going to fight. Yeah, and that, in, in that Revelation 19, that is where the Antichrist and the false prophet mm -hmm. are thrown alive into the lake of fire. They're the first people to get to visit it. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so I, it's fascinating right there. Uh, and I believe that literally is going to happen. Yes. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it's just, I, I, I visioned that in my mind, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, could happen to two better people. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. So that, that's, that's the that, second that, coming when he comes back. And again, like we say, premillennial, because at that point, once he comes down, then that thousand-year reign yeah, is set in the motion. Yeah, after the Battle of Armageddon, you go into the millennial reign of Christ, mm -hmm. and uh, and then you go into a... It, it, Jesus will actually rule and reign in, in Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, Israel will be, for the better sake of the word, the superpower in the earth, because okay. they will inherit everything that God promised Abraham. Yes. Not just that little tiny spit of land they have. Uh, and, uh, so, so and Jesus sure. will be reigning there. Yeah. Uh, Satan will be bound for the thousand years, yeah. uh, and everyone will be. That will be a theocracy, a real one. Um, and, uh, and and at that point, anyone that didn't die in the tribulation period, and there'll be a lot of them. Yes, they're going to go into the millennial reign of Christ, and uh, and when they do that. Um, those people will have children. It, it to be noted there, because Satan's going to be loose later to deceive the nation. Yeah, so you've got to have somebody to deceive. Yeah, and then everyone, all of us, that either dead in Christ mm -hmm. or the ones who are alive and remain, the rapture of the church, and or even the ones that were that died in the tribulation period for Christ. Yes. They're all going to get a glorified body. They're going to—that's the first resurrection. Yes. And uh, and in that sense, right there, you're going to have two classes of people. Well, actually, you're going to have three classes of people, not people. You're three classes of beings. That would be a yeah. better way of saying God's yeah. on a people. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to have Jesus in His glorified body, but He is God. Yes. Okay. So we're not going to put ourselves in that category. Yeah. 
you'll have every Christian, uh, whether you were became one in the tribulation period or you were raptured before dead in Christ or alive and remain, whichever, mm -hmm. we will we will have already received our glorified body. Okay. So our body will be a lot like Jesus's in that sense. And uh, and so you're going to have however many people that is throughout time. That'll be a lot of people. Yes. Uh, and you'll get an assignment. And by the way, the Old Testament is pretty clear on, about the, on these things. Yes. And uh, and, and so we, when we get into some of these, we'll bring out some. Yeah, we'll bring that out. So they're fascinating. Yeah. But uh, but you're also going to have people just like we are right now, just as human as human. Yeah. We don't. We're not living in a glorified body. Okay. And about uh, I hope not, and uh, you know because this one's getting a little older. Uh, I talked to somebody last night in church, and they said, I, "You think we'll all be 33 when we go in there?" And we, I said, "Well, you know, I don't know." I said, "One thing I do know is I was a lot skinnier when I was 33, yeah, I and I had some hair." I hear you there. Anyway, I, hear you there. I said, "So I don't know how that's going to work." Okay. But there are going to be people like us, people that have went through the tribulation period, and they might have. They might have been born again in the tribulation period. They might not have. So that, that well, we're digging in, okay? Well, and we yeah. have Jesus's determination yeah. of the judgment of the nations. Yes, I believe is going to happen okay. during this moment. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, to be honest. But okay. there's going to be a judgment of nations. So okay. we're going to have all of that in the end of this millennium. Yes, this thousand years. Satan will be loose for a season. We and don't he'll know. try to deceive those who well, have not accepted well, Christ. Been, it's it's a large whatever, group of people going to surround the yeah. holy city. Yeah. So, so I've asked someone asked me one time, how long do you think that's going to be? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It might be as long as from the time that God created the earth to this moment right now. Yeah, we, don't we don't know, know. We how don't long know. it'll take. But what we do know is at the end of that season, he will then be thrown into the lake, lake of fire, fire with a false prophet and the, the, the Antichrist yeah. is at. So he's so, going to be burned up. Yeah, and so, yeah. or he calls him the beast there. And uh, so yeah. anyway, so that's all going to happen. And uh, so if you're a, a premillennial uh, person in your eschatology, uh, you're going to view these two events as being separate events. Separate. Now, this is where we want to go, and we want to kind of uh, bring this down here. Now, the first one is pre-tribulation. I have a little chart here. This is the tribulation and uh, the seven years. We've got seven years. This is three and a half. Here's the beginning. Here's the end. So here we go. So the pre-tribs pre are going to be caught, uh, caught up here prior right here. to those seven years. Yeah, prior to the seven years. And, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and like I said, the scripture is not complete on when we say the seven years. Could we see the Antichrist sign a covenant with Israel and then the rapture happen? It's possible. Mm -hmm. What we do know is that the tribulation period is signaled by that. Yes. So if we're pre- Well, those two events that it says, yeah. and let's, why don't you draw those out for us? The first is the falling away. We're talking about the yes. or, or the apostasia. Yeah, the, the apostasia, and and when we get when we get into second 
uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. That is a fascinating passage of scripture because there are two ways that you can look at that word apostasia there. But let's just look at it from this standpoint right now. We'll give an alternative view later. Sure. Uh, Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together. Yes. In verse 1. And, and he's concerned because people said the day of the Lord had already happened mm -hmm. or were already in it. And so there the context would be the, the tribulation. So in other words, we're already in the tribulation. What happened to the rapture? What yeah. happened to what he wrote to them about in the first letter? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then so he says that the day of the Lord, the tribulation will not start until two things happen. That is the apostasia. Mm -hmm. We're going to just look at it as the, he calls it the apostasia. Yes. So we have a definite article. It looks like a definite article. So, definite it's, so are we talking about the falling away that he was talking about at 1 Timothy 4.1? Very likely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a great falling away. That'll happen prior to the tribulation starting. Okay. The other one that will have to happen for the tribulation to start is that the man of sin will have to be revealed. So when does he get revealed according to Daniel 9? When he signs a covenant with Israel, with Israel for seven years. So um, could we be living based on what we see in the world right now? Could we be living in the great falling away? Well, I think we could be, even if this is not what that's particularly talking about, mm -hmm. but there is no doubt that that is ongoing in the world right now. It is, 100%. We read that article. We talked about it here, that there is a falling away. Currently, we're, within, we're in it. But we don't know how long this will last. No, no, and it could happen for a while. I mean, if, if you go back to the, what's considered the Dark Ages, mm -hmm. you could make a case for that. That's four hundred years. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, so you you can make a you can make a case for that. That's why one of the things you have to be careful with, and and I always try to temper myself, is that a lot of people made the mistake of looking at what's going on in the world, and making determinations on where we are on the prophetic time. Frame. Oh man. And uh, a lot of you those. know, and so if you're if you're living during the time in Europe where the Black Death was at its height, and I believe it was in the early 1400s, mm -hmm. and um, uh, or the late 13, I, I forget if it's 1392 or whatever it was, uh, during a 10 year period of time in Europe, you had over a half of the population died. Yes. Uh, that's that, and that that's wasn't all just the plague. It was the Black Plague, but it also there was war, there was famine. There's a lot of yeah. you have a lot of people well, dying. You can really you think you that can't point. raise crops yeah. and stuff like that. People starve to death. Okay, mm -hmm. so roughly a, about a third on the plague, and then the other third is everything else that goes with it. Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, and and so if you're living, uh, say like in a in a, a city the size of Georgetown, Texas. We're over 100,000. Mm -hmm. uh, 
they're getting it's hard to wrap everybody's mind around how many people live here now. Well, that's true. If, if all of us who live here understand that we probably have more than that, but that doesn't matter. Let's just use the word 100,000. You're living in cities that are around 100,000. You had sometimes a 90% fatality in wow. my death. And there were down. preachers during that time because we have record of what they wrote. Mm-hmm. And they believed they were under, they were in the tribulation period. Yeah, They believed it. And hey, could you blame them? No, you couldn't. Because now they weren't in the tribulation. You got war, you got famine, you got all this pestilence, you have all this. You said you got the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, they come through and kill your whole I tell you what, your wife, yeah. your kid, your dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you know, you, you so what what I'm saying is obviously they were not in the tribulation period. Because if they were, we'd already be in the eternal state. Yeah, right we'd be in the eternal okay. state. But, uh, but 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 you can so the the the, the the thing is, we're going to refer to events like the Barner Report, and we'll get it, we'll read it, mm-hmm. and and that way you just don't, you won't think we're making it up. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're not. You know, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I will pull we'll it up it. and read it. But but you know, you can look at the Barner Report and say, you know what, there it is. There's the apostasy. There it is. And you know what, that might be the case. Uh, I do believe that Jesus. His coming is imminent. I believe it could happen at any moment. Yeah. I believe that we live in the end, the last of the last days. Uh, what I what I teach my church is that while I am not going to pin a date on anything, no. uh, or and or make a prediction, it I I don't see the rapture being any longer in scope than five to ten years. Mm-hmm. While saying that, I could be wrong. Yeah, There were people that were wrong when the Black Death came. Yes. The, my my great-grandparents believed they would see the return of the Lord because they lived through the Great Depression, well, World War One, the Great Depression, and World War II. Yeah. But that wasn't the time. No. So, well, so that's why we're tempered on it. And so when we talk to you about these events, uh, understand we're just looking at what we can look at. We look at Scripture. That's our final authority. Yes. And and, and, and everybody, Jesus said, when you see all these things happen, lift up your head. Lift we'll talk about head. the signs of the time that Jesus talked about. That. So it's it's easy to look at that and... Uh, and uh, well, in, in, make, in, make determinations, you know. You, you were making the mention of the Black Plague, and I, I'm over here thinking people, and I know we know this from history, that people thought Nero, yes. the Roman Emperor Nero, first century, in the first century, that, that he may have been de- dealing with those Thessalonians there yes. that were dealing with Nero, because Nero, I mean, he, 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 he uh, actually, he, he waged war on the Christian church to try to cover up his failures yeah, in other areas. Uh, Domitian, I believe, is the yeah. other one after him. Yeah, the whole thing yeah, about yeah. Rome, fiddling while Rome is burning yeah. and all that. And then what ended up happening, I mean, th- this is the guy that you go out into his garden at night and you can see uh, Christians that were impaled and set on fire, lighting the way as he walked through his garden. This guy was about as, you know, he was loony. I mean, this guy was a mental case. But at the same time, they were going through all of that tribulation. They thought that the well, that, that was the tribulation, and, and that's why you have a lot of teaching about eschatology in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, even Paul writing to the Thessalonians, he talked about, "Hey, 
he indicates they got a letter that they supposed was from him, but he didn't write. Yeah. That's why he was correcting that view there in the second chapter of Second Thessalonians. Uh, he even talked about people giving prophetic utterances and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And and so, you know, your your final authority has to be what God said. Yeah. And, uh, and and everyone has been in moments in life where things looked really like Bible prophecies being fulfilled. Yeah, things falling apart. Now, I will say that we've never lived in a time, uh, especially with the age of the Internet, the world being so small because of that. And with all this AI technology and... Uh, and, uh, and and all the advancements in uh, yeah, it, I'll be honest with you, you can honestly see how some of the things, even the, when it talks about the, in, in Revelation, when it comes about the mark of the beast, the image of the beast, the image yes. that causes it to speak. Uh, Dude, I mean, we, I mean, we can, I mean, you know, I've been looking at robots, I mean, AI. Yeah, so, right I there. mean, what we're saying, we're not saying that. We can't conclusively tell we you, conclusively, that, tell you we that, have that. But what I'm saying is no no other generation has been where we're at. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus did say this, he said the gospel would be preached into all the world and then the end would come. Yeah. The word that she uses, ethnos. Ethnos. And uh, in other words, it would go into every ethnic language. We are there. Yeah. And there's never been a time... Mm-hmm. In church history and world history, this goes beyond the printing press. I mean, there's never been a time where, wow. Yeah, we're right there. I mean, his coming yeah. is imminent. I mean, his, that rapture could happen at any time. And the thing is, is that those ones that are falling away... They're going to have this is, having to live through this. Well, this this is not the time to apostatize. No, okay? this is the time. Uh, this is not the time to fall away from the faith, and this is not the time to even take the chance that the rapture would come, and it would be like a thief in the night to you. And and by the way, we that's not because of all the rapture films that, that were made. Yeah. Uh, that that is a that's based in scripture, uh, in First Thessalonians chapter five. Yes. Okay. Yes. And he calls the rapture a thief in the night to those who are walking in darkness. Yeah. And uh, so if you're not a believer in Christ, today's the day of salvation. Do yes. not put this off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, we're not trying to scare you. We're trying to tell you that this is going to happen. This yeah. event's going to happen. There's going to be a shout, voice of the archangel. There's going to be a trumpet of God. Mm-hmm. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then if you and I are followers oh. of Jesus, we're going to be caught up. Yes. In the clouds, floor in the air with them. Yes, that event is on our horizon. That's what we're waiting yes. on. Yes, and so okay, we've covered a lot of area, Pastor. I'm looking at the time right now. Uh, we've covered a lot of area. Now the thing is, we got into the pre-tribulation rapture. Let's see. Uh, we can wind this up a little bit. I don't know within the next uh, these other three. We got a mid-tribulation rapture here in the middle. Now, what is the mid-tribulation well, rapture? Well, the mid-tribulation rapture is that Jesus will come back in the rapture of the church, rapture the church away, uh, at about the time the Antichrist reveals himself as God. 
Okay, and that's yeah, the, right the, here. the abomination of the desolation. He sets himself up in the temple. Yeah, and proclaims himself to be God. That's in the middle of of Daniel's seventieth week. He says that the prince to come will make a covenant with uh, you know the Israel. So he and, makes a covenant here, and he breaks halfway it halfway through. He busts. It, he breaks the covenant. Yeah, he breaks it. Paul says he sets himself up in the temple. Yeah. Okay. And uh, proclaims himself to be God. So you're going to believe that the rapture is going to happen right about that point in the moment. By the way, that's also in the same time frame of the uh, the first four trumpet judgments. Yes. Which I would look at as a telescoping or however you want to say that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's one event. Yeah, that's one event. Uh, Asteroid strike, uh, wormwood, part of it. Falls off into the water, the other one in the land. Yeah. Kills about a third of the population. That's pretty bad. Um, that's that's God's response to the mark of the beast. Yes. That's God's response to the Antichrist setting himself up in the temple proclaiming to be God. Mm -hmm. And some people put the rapture right there. Okay. So that's what where they're saying is that before the great tribulation. Uh, the, a lot of have said this is the tribulation. The Great Tribulation. Yeah, and, and the reason I say that is because Jesus talked about there will be Great Tribulation like the world's never known before, and he says that mm -hmm. in relation to what he says when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken by Daniel. And, uh, and then, of course, Paul amplifies that to the Thessalonians in chapter yeah. 2. Okay. That's what anyway, so, that's, so you got a pre-wrath. Okay, you, know. you got a mid-trib. And then, well, then you have a pre-wrap. To be honest with you, the pre-wrap is nineteen ninety. Somebody decided they were sitting around thinking of another one. I better stop that. But uh, that pre-wrap, I hadn't even heard of. I mean, when we were going, I was going through college and going back. I never heard of I never heard of this term until a couple of years ago. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the pre-wrap, it could happen before the the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple. Yeah. It could happen before the middle of the tribulation. It could happen a little bit after it. Yeah. Okay. In other words, I don't even know why we're talking about it, but since other people are talking about it that are way more famous than we ever thought about, we thought, well, we better put it in here. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, we'll probably do a little better job with it later. But yeah. But but anyway, it, it it's almost undeterminable where it's going to happen other than it's going to happen somewhere around the middle mark. Yeah, it's a, it's a they say, a variation of the mid-tribulational position. Yeah. It has similarities to post-trib. So, okay, so let's move on to try to wind this with the post-trib. And that, that would be here that we're going, going up in the post-trib right here. It would be the rapture happening. We get caught up. Then Christ rise first. <laughs> then we come back. Yeah. And it's all around the Battle of Armageddon. So in other words, the church uh, under this would be like the historic premillennialist view. Uh, and, uh, and and so they, that's how they would view it. And, uh, and there are some people in, um, well, I, well I'm, I'm thinking of one right now, uh, Dr., uh, Dr. Michael Brown, yes. who I respect very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, he uh, was raised in a pre-tribulation church. I mean, that was his viewpoint. Sure. Um, he believes in a post-tribulation rapture. That we're going to go he, all And he defends it. Yeah. Okay. And I'll tell you where the, the, the defense of it is. It's in Matthew 24. 
And, uh, and the problem with Matthew 24 is Matthew 24 really isn't about the rapture. It's about Israel. It's about what's going to happen in the tribulation period. Mm -hmm. And that is the crux of Matthew 24. So if you're looking for a rapture in Matthew 24, it's not there. Just not going to be there. No. Okay, no. I'm not saying there cannot be an allusion to it, but really the, 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 what we normally think, well, there's a rapture. No, that's a second coming. Second coming. Okay, so, um, um, and, and that, the only person that ever really wrote specifically about the rapture is the Apostle Paul. Yes. We have allusions to it in the Old Testament, though. Yes. So, uh, so Paul, Paul operated, there's a reason why he wrote most of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, he was prepared for it. God prepared him for it, even before he knew God was preparing him for it. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a post, and and, and like I said, uh, we don't divide over these issues. Uh, no, uh, I, I I've pastored numerous people that have been post and mid, mm -hmm. and uh, and you know, and and and, I, and when I've I presented it, I generally when I present the rapture of the church, I'm teaching on it. I'll present the three major views. I don't talk about the pre-wrath because I think it's silly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but anyway, I'll, I'll I'll present the three views, and I will give them what I believe Scripture is teaching. Yeah. And I will tell them that if you want to believe something else, that's fine. Sure. Because none of us really know for sure. Okay. Well, okay, and just, just to be fair, I'm going. To, I'm not. We're not even going to get into it. But in case somebody out there said, well, you guys, there's another one. I said, well, the partial, the, there's one called the partial rapture view. We're not going to get into that tonight. Uh, but, yes, we will acknowledge that there is people out there talking about that. I, I've seen it online. Maybe we can talk about two days after the, the two day after the Antichrist signs the, the uh, covenant hey. agreement. The two days after. Okay. Let's come on with a we'll, podcast. Yeah, right we can start. We can start our own movement. Yeah. Why not? Anyway, how many? How many do we have to have? You know that's why yeah. we didn't put the partial in our presentation. Yeah. Is because it just gets to be redundant. So, some some are waiting for him. Others are not waiting for him. They're prepared. <laughs> they try to use. Oh, don't know, get me started. Anyway, um, but okay. So, but here's one thing I think that we need to make sure. We understand. First of all, like you had said, this does not pertain to your salvation. No. Secondly, it is important, and the reason why it's important is that the way you view Scripture, I mean, you come out there with uh, spiritualizing your Scripture and this type of thing, beware, because you could really fall into error that way. Uh, literally, you know, if when the Bible says David walked into the temple, well, David, actually, a literal man named David walked into a temple that was there. That's literal. Not that, oh, well, David, you know, in his mind was floating and, you know, whatever kind of mess that some people. And I'm going to tell you what, speculation that is without grounding in the word of God is error. Now, did you catch that? speculation or people thinking up some ideas or coming up with theories or views or whatever that is not grounded in the word of God, meaning that they have, that it is supported and comes out of the word of God, is error and can be very dangerous. 
Now, that's one thing that we need to understand. But this is good stuff. I mean, the, the stuff that was brought out tonight, all the different things, is good for us to learn. And this is all a part of eschatology. Now, if you want to believe that he's coming at the end, you're going to get ready for that uh, tribulation hour, go ahead. Now, if he pops you, uh, but you better be ready just in case. But uh, we're not going to get into all those phrases that we, what was that one that you were telling oh, the me? Oh, the pan, uh, pan millennial. Yeah, the pan, pan millennial that it will all pan out in the end. Uh, you know, like you're some philosopher. No, you're not a philosopher. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you need to know this. You need to study this. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, a workman that does not need and, to be ashamed. And, we, and you know, we'll, we'll identify ourselves. We are premillennial yes. in our belief system, and we are pre-tribulation rapture. That's what we preach, and that's what we teach. We're not dogmatic about it, no. but that's what we believe the Bible does teach us. This is, I'm ready, and I got myself prepared here. I'll be prepared here to go if it goes up. Whatever. We just have to be ready. And one of the biggest things, I think the, the biggest thing is, you need to be saved. Oh, yes. You need to know Jesus, and you need to be walking with him. You do not need to be in that apostasy. No. Or that, what do they call it, apostasia? Yeah. And that falling away. And if you're not going to church today, let's talk just for a second, we're going to wind up. If you're not going to church today, and you say, well, I don't need it, I can live it on my own. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Scripture says. You're not following the Word of God. If you're not reading your Bible, we, we've gone over this a hundred times, about reading their Bible, about praying, about having a relationship with Christ, Going to church, being grounded. Well, another way to say it is if you could learn everything that you needed to learn on your own, then why would God set in the church the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher? Yeah. Yeah, why would he give that why to would the he church if perfect. you could learn everything and you could grow in your faith all by yourself? That is... That is not only is that non-biblical, that is heretical. Yeah. And uh, and so if you're not a part of a church, uh, you need to find you a church to go to that actually believes the Bible. Now, going to a church isn't going to save you, but that's what saved people do. Yes. And uh, and so we encourage you to, to do that. If you live in our area, in this Austin area, the Georgetown area, you're looking for a church. Well, look us up at River of Life. We will. We that's our pledge to you. We will always give you God's word. Yes, yes, yes. So okay. So I'm just going to kind of wind it up here, and then Pastor, if you'll pray us out of here, we're going to continue on. This is the beginning of the series. We're actually going to start digging into this, and we're going to kind of bring out what the Bible is saying in the Revelation, Daniel, and all that. Uh, we're going to look at it. And we're going to bring you through it so that there is good, solid teaching on eschatology here. And that's going to be our series. So you don't want to miss any of these episodes. Pass them along. Send them to people. Share them on your Facebook. That's what you can do for us. And it doesn't cost you a dime. You can share them on your Facebook. And others can listen and they can learn as well. And you can be sure that we're going to be bringing the gospel message along with this. Pastor, could you go ahead and pray? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, Lord, that we, we do have this privilege to look at the subject of eschatology. We thank you, Lord, for those that are watching it. 
and, uh, and and Lord, what we what we want to we, we've already said it, but what all this means is you're coming back for your church. Yes, yes. And no matter what camp that someone might have to be in, that is the one conclusive thing that everyone believes, and that is that you're coming back. Yes. And, and we're going to spend eternity with you. Lord, we want to be ready for that moment. I pray, God, that everyone who's watching this will be ready. And the only way we can be ready is that we have uh, become a follower of Jesus. We believe in our heart that you, that Jesus died for our sins and that, that, that God raised him from the dead. And, Lord, we believe uh, that you are Lord. And we have confessed our sins. We've acknowledged them. We have repented. And, uh, and we know we are forgiven. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Yes. Lord, that's the only way that we can be sure. And then you've called us to walk with you and, and follow you. And, and, and so, Lord, I pray for everyone to have that experience. If there's someone listening here today that has never given their life to Jesus, I pray that they'll do that right now. Yes. And, uh, and, and Lord, for those who are, and they're living, uh, uh, you know, and they're going to church somewhere, and they love you, Lord, I pray, God, they will continue in the faith. They will endure to the end. I trust the Holy Spirit to help them do that. And if there's someone here claiming to be a Christian and they don't go to church anywhere, Lord, I pray that you'll break through the deceptive lie of the enemy. I pray the Holy Spirit bring the conviction of the Lord. They need to be in a church somewhere. They need to be in a body. There's protection there. That's a place where we're discipled. We're trained, we're equipped. That's where we, we can minister to one another, we can be a part of the body, and we can be around people that will love us, and there is protection there. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray, God, that they'll find a good church, and, uh, and I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So make sure that you tune in next week, uh, this, uh, this time again, to continue on in this study. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.